0: Well, welcome back, everyone, to Crucial Conversations. I am Peter, and I'm here once again with my friend... Hi, I'm Kevin. Hey, Kevin. This is episode 16. Wow. Yeah. It's kind of cool. We are going to be talking about trust today, which is a cool topic, but it also can be a little bit difficult. But before we get to that, if you have been listening to our Crucial Conversations, if you've heard about the Bible in five all the cool stuff that we are planning to do, some of which we've already done, you can support us at crucialproductions.org slash give. There's a whole bunch of different ways to do that. Anything you can do, we greatly appreciate. So crucialproductions.org slash give is the place to find out how to do that. Sounds good. Cool. So, Kevin, last week, after our last episode, we talked a little bit about our approach to Theology, how we're talking through some of these things, our approach to scriptures. And let's spend a little bit of time just kind of letting people in on our thought process there because we talk a little bit differently about some things, don't we? Well, we don't mean to. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, I think that's the, the,
1: um, the inherent dichotomy in some of this is that, and, and this is important for us to say, is that we're not trying to be different. Right we're actually
0: really working hard to speak the way the new Testament speaks. We don't like different for the sake of different or different to be edgy or or innovation and innovation, stuff like that. That is definitely not what we're going for at all. We really are, um, trying
1: our best to approach theology the way that the church has historically always approached theology. And, that is really listening to the words of the apostles and the writings of the apostles in the New Testament and how they go about reading the Old Testament and how they teach us to understand God. And Mm -hmm. that really is very specifically a Christological focus, which means it's really all about Jesus. And it's not a slogan, that's not a cop-out, that's not a reductionism, that is simply the most important aspect of God, is his revelation to us
0: in his son, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And that really runs the show. I mean, that runs everything. I mean, that's why the first two episodes we did in this kind of reboot here, we talk about seeing things through the lens of Jesus. Even last week's episode on rebaptism, it's all about through the lens of Jesus. And so for us, that phrase carries um, quite a lot of weight to it.
1: Yeah, it does. And... And it's not just a phrase or it's not just something to remember. It's actually, and this is what we're going to get a little bit today. It's, it's actually, where do you put all of your trust? Yeah. You know what? And that's what it comes down to is in what are you putting your hope, your trust for your being as a person, your standing before God, your eternal reality? What, What is the thing what is the one thing that you're kind of saying, I'm putting all my eggs in that basket. Mm-hmm. And, and what we're saying is that we believe by the power of the Holy spirit, he has drawn us to, to trust in Jesus as that thing. And, and that's something that, that um, is really then informative for how we look at every issue. And and I also want to say this kind of quickly, maybe we'll cover this in a different episode at some time is it doesn 't just mean when you're reading the Bible, yeah, it really means everything
0: well, and that's that's actually what has been uh, not not the most helpful to me as a, as if everything is more important than how to read the bible right. <laughs> and right, exactly. I, I don't mean that exactly. but but that is what what has been helpful to me as as you and I have talked through this as we've had conversations with other people, other pastors working through this kind of stuff, is that seeing life through the lens of Christ because we are Christians seeing it through who he is and what he has done for us actually makes a huge difference in how we look at things how we approach different situations how we handle them emotionally how we handle situations physically uh, mentally i mean it it actually does make a very big difference and a change in well, for example, last week when we were talking about the rebaptism, that entire conversation looks very different when we are intentionally on purpose trying really hard to say, what does Jesus have to do with this? How do we see this through who he is and what he's done for us always and only starting there and then running the conversation from that starting point? Because most of us, myself included, I start every, everywhere but that, mm-hmm. and I try and get back to Jesus. It's like, well, let's take this conversation back to Jesus. But if you're not starting there, it's almost impossible to actually get that conversation back to him.
1: Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and that's, that's very true. So this is, this is part of, and, and this, word, this language is always clunky, but we talk about growing in faith or learning to increase in your knowledge of Christ Jesus. This is really what Paul's getting at is that our reality of as Christians is that to be in Christ and the Holy Spirit continuing to teach you what it means to be in Christ is that there isn't any aspect of my life that's left out of that. Right. And even my sin. I mean, just think about this is that I no longer see my life as compartmentalized, well, where I'm holy over here, And then over here, I'm not holy and that's okay. I can take a break. I can take a break from it or my sin is somehow outside of God. No, even my sin is brought into Christ, Mm -hmm. which is great because that's the only place it can actually be dealt with. Yeah. (laughs) You know, otherwise I have to excuse it or hide from it or not admit it or change the law or self justify or something. But when even my sin is in Christ, repentance is not only the right thing, it's the joyful thing to do. Mm-hmm. Because I'm putting all my hope, all of my faith, that when I walk up to God with all of my sins exposed, in Christ, he does forgive. Mm-hmm. That's my trust. Yep. And, and one of the, the amazing things then is if you and I agree on that, then you and I can learn to forgive each other in the same way which means I don't have to be afraid
0: for you to see me as I am. Which is a very scary thought for me because in that, I'm going to be afraid that you're going to see me as I am. Right. (laughs) This is how deep our sin goes. Right. (laughs) And this is, I mean,
1: this is why Paul says in Ephesians 4.32, he says, forgive one another. Just as in Christ God has forgiven you. Mm-hmm. And and what if that's the way we relate to each other? Yeah. Is that not only am I not afraid of exposing my sin, but it's actually something I want to do because I know the church will react with forgiveness and will help me learn how to avoid that sin in the future.
0: Yeah, it's not a matter of celebrating sin or Reveling together, that oh look how bad of sinners we are. It's it's a matter of honestly recognizing this is who we actually are, as opposed to what. Well, I, we've we've all encountered this in in church. You know, church is full of hypocrites. You know that that's a very common phrase. Uh, one of the ideas behind that being that there's all these people who are pretending to be really good, and then when you really get to know them, you find out how bad they actually are, which is the opposite of how church should actually be. Right. You know, it's, we're talking about living out the reality of the beginning of every divine service, for us Lutherans anyways, where we begin that service by saying, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto you, God, that I am sinful and unclean. And then actually living that reality together as Christians, not pretending that we are not sinful and unclean, not celebrating that we're sinful and unclean. That's not something worth celebrating either. But, you know, working together on that forgiveness of each other because we are all sinful and unclean.
1: And when I I teach Bible class on Sunday, I'll often say, I saw you saying that. (laughs) So not only did you admit it before God, but you admitted it before all of us in this room. Yeah. And hopefully you saw me saying it too. Because... I need to live in the body of Christ in which I'm not lying about my state, mm-hmm. but I'm so sinful that I don't deserve to be a member of the church. Yeah, It's only by grace.
0: Part, part of our conversation about trust today is also going to be talking about fear. And I think this is a great place to actually introduce that idea because what, what we encounter as, as human beings in this kind of a situation, is I am afraid to be vulnerable in, in that sense. I have a fear because there is a lack of trust mm-hmm. in you, mm-hmm. perhaps a lack of trust in my Savior to actually forgive my sin, but there's also a little bit of trust in myself in my ability to be as good as I possibly can. And I am afraid that if i actually admit my sinfulness to you kevin my trust in myself will end up being eroded mm-hmm. a little bit and mm-hmm. it will be or it'll be shown to be the lie that it is <laughs> right right <laughs> and, and i think and so this this fear and trust these two things go very often go hand in hand in helping us to identify what am i trusting what am i fearing And usually those are two sides of the, the, the same coin. Yeah. And, and one of the
1: things that we read in scripture, you know, first John says that in, in perfect love, there's no fear.
0: Yeah. Perfect love drives out, drives out fear.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, there's no fear in love. And what a concept that could you imagine waking up and living an entire day without fear? I mean we we might call it other things anxiety worry Worries, stress yeah. you know whatever but what if we actually just said yeah actually just that's all fear fear of failure
0: you know fear of whatever and fear of reputation and loss mm-hmm. thereof fear of not having enough fear of fear of having it taken away from me right whatever it is and and what if we actually lived without fear and
1: i think what what you're driving at is the, the way to live without fear is to live in trust, mm-hmm. and and it's so. Then the simple question becomes: How, in what or whom do we trust that is strong enough to drive out all fear? And that's that's really where we're, we're kind of getting at in this is that when we understand that equation, that it's not it's not the quality of of our trust. Or even an object of our trust, it's it's actually trusting Christ Mm -hmm. in all of this.
0: Well, and and that's what we'll end up talking about, and I guess we already are. So let's stop saying that we'll end up talking about. But this is what we are talking about: is the object of our trust ultimately needs to be Him, Jesus Christ, a, a person, the person. And as as we were thinking about this, talking through, I can actually remember going through I guess it was a faith crisis (laughs) if you can put it that way regarding trust and and for me it was recognizing that I had actually placed my faith in a different object and I'll kind of lay it out for you in my own personal experience and I think I probably had this realization about a year and a half ago uh, when we we had the conversation about this and very for myself You know, so grew up a Christian my my entire life and parents are missionaries, and so I've never been apart from faith and Jesus and all all that kind of stuff. Became a Lutheran later on in life. And you still struggle with, you know, faith and belief and, and all and all of that. And I remember very clearly at some point after I'd become a Lutheran, digging into you know, the historical facts surrounding the resurrection and really kind of getting a better handle on, on those, those things and studying it. And so I, I had this mental exercise where when you have either a significant moment of doubt or just one of those momentary thoughts of, oh, what if it's not actually true? What if there actually is no God or it's the wrong God? I'd run back to, okay, but historically it is a fact that Christ was crucified. And we don't even need the Bible for that. We have enough extra biblical sources out there that it's a pretty much a verifiable historical fact that Jesus Christ was a man who lived and was crucified. We know that much. Everything else essentially flows from that. We can trust the testimony of scripture and you know all these other things that well then the resurrection happened and his ascension and there he must be God and you know you, you follow that chain pretty much all the way but it's 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 the linchpin is the historical event and w- the realization and Kevin you're the person who helped me <laughs> come to this I'm gonna out you here yeah um, is that as I'm saying look I can I can I believe. And this is why I believe. I mean, I would actually phrase that, well, I believe in Christ because he actually died. And then he actually rose from the dead. Well, what I had just done at that point was said, the object of my faith is a historical event. Mm-hmm. This, this thing that happened. Mm-hmm. That's, I can place my faith in this thing that happened. And then there are two problems with that. First, I'm not trusting Christ himself. I'm trusting a historical event. And two, I'm using my own human reason to arrive at that revelation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, that's a odd juxtaposition. Yes, reason and is. revelation. <laughs> that, no, wait, that's not how that, <laughs> that works. Work. And, and I believe I was really mad at you at that point. Mm. <laughs> yes, you were. <laughs> but but that's, that, that's how deep this this trust problem goes and how even as a Christian, a well-meaning, sincere Christian, I never would have said I wasn't actually a Christian. Right. And to this day I would not say that I wasn't a Christian then. No, that's we're not talking about whether or not I was actually a Christian. Mm-hmm. That's no. We're simply talking about the the in this case, one way but many ways in which we actually trust anything else but Jesus himself and well, how easy it is to slip into that, and you
1: just did it. You literally just did it. You just slipped into. At that time, I wouldn't say I was a Christian. Well, I really don't care what you would say. <laughs> I really don't. I you know. I mean, this is the whole point. Is is we even do this with doctrine? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you know, that person kind of gets this one messed up. So I, I think I would still label them a Christian. And I'm kind of going. I don't really care what you would label them, you know. It's like, and and all of a sudden,
0: we we do this all the yeah, time. Yeah, I just placed my my faith in having the correct belief right. about the thing. So so now, yeah, that I totally I just did that. Right? <laughs> or my past, I can look back and my say, past well, belief. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and and see that's it's so intrinsic in the way we think, yeah. and even the way the language we use. Yep. Um, and I'm not I'm not putting you down. I do the
0: same thing oh, all no. the time. It's just kind of the way we talk. Yep. And you you guys get a special moment here. This is why we're doing this podcast, or one of the reasons is because it's just well, this is the conversations, this, Kevin this and the way I. Have. It goes. Um, but so but, we will be honest in these. Yeah, and and even
1: the way you know the way I conceive of things, you know, we're we're really tempted to think, well, you know, that interpretation of the scripture is is really faithful, and therefore, and, and it's like, no, wait a minute, we're <laughs> now we're we're kind of making grace contingent on something, you know, yeah. the ability to interpret scripture, the ability to believe right, my way to think this through, or the way, right way to say it, mm-hmm. and, and our whole point in all this is that's still not Jesus right? that's still not actually putting your trust in what God has done for you in Christ
0: well at the same time, I mean here so the people listening I can very easily hear people saying wait, so doctrine doesn't matter, what you believe doesn't actually matter you're just kind of throwing that all out and saying well it's just as long as there's Jesus in there somewhere it's kind of okay because honestly that's sometimes that's what I think as we're talking through this I was like wait where are we actually we're not actually saying that <laughs> what we're saying we're talking about once again the starting point we're, we're talking about the, the beginning of this conversation where I said you have to start in the right place to end up in the right place. So what what's so here
1: here's the question. What are you scared of if I look at you in the eye and say doctrine doesn't matter?
0: Ooh, that I can throw out anything I don't like.
1: Right. See, you're not or I
0: can just mess with doctrine. See, no right end. away
1: we run not to Christ, yeah, but we run to ourselves. And and once again, our fear. See, like this is something that, that we've talked about a lot, and, and I and I keep working on this in my own head. Is, this which is a, probably
0: not be the only episode where we talk right, about this either. <laughs> which is a terrible place to
1: work on things, but I do work on it in my head. Is, is that you know, I'm, I'm pretty convinced that God doesn't need my help. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need my defense. He doesn't need me to defend him. Right. He doesn't need me to teach correct doctrine. If, if, if I spend my days teaching correct doctrine or if I spend my days teaching false doctrine, God is not actually affected by that. Right. This is really for the benefit of the hearer that we work on making sure we're proclaiming correct doctrine. This is really in order to, to bring glory to Christ that we make sure we believe correct doctrine. See, it's not... I'm more saved because I've got better doctrine mm-hmm. or God loves me more because I've got correct doctrine or the Lutheran church is really blessed because we've got the best doctrine. No, the the reason the doctrine matters is because it points us to the all sufficiency of Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we do not ever want to live in a reality in which Christ is not Lord of Lord and King of Kings. I mean, he is God's definitive action for the salvation of mankind. Let's never move him off from that, that reality. You know, Luther's definition of the Antichrist was anybody who steals glory from Christ. And this is kind of what we're saying. And, and even if doctrine itself steals glory from Christ, guess what? Uh-oh. We crucify it. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, we get rid of it. Because correct doctrine will always drive us to Christ never to itself and its correctness. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really where the discussion needs to continue to run is that, you know, is is doctrine important? Absolutely. Look at my bookshelf. I mean, I've got volumes and volumes and volumes and volumes and volumes of books that help me interpret scripture correctly, help me learn the Greek and Hebrew languages, that help me understand systematic theology, the history of theology, the practice mm-hmm. of theology. I listen to podcast all day, I read scripture, I read commentaries, I listen to doctors of the church both alive and dead that that help me How
0: learn. do you listen to
1: dead ones? Yeah, it's amazing. That's They're, weird.
0: They don't sound as good. Is that another podcast episode where we have to talk it's about? It's kind of smelly. Yeah. You okay. know, so
1: but the reality <laughs> is this is an important pursuit. But at no point do we say any of that has anything to do with me and God. Yeah. This is really for the benefit of how do I believe what God has done for you in Christ and how do I help others hear the good news?
0: It, it's about the clarity of our confession. Right. And, and being clear. One of the ways that helps me if, if we're talking about doctrine and Jesus is, okay, if there's a different point of doctrine, at least mentally this helps me, which Jesus are we talking about? Yeah, because then at least I'm talking about Jesus again. Is it the Jesus that says, "Here's what baptism is, and it means something," and I give, I join with you, join with me in my resurrection and my death in baptism, or is it a Jesus who says, "This is this is an outward sign of an inward commitment"? Those are yeah. two different kinds of Jesuses. So if we're going to talk about doctrine, and you know, if baptism, which very frequently comes up, well. If you're not ta- like you said if we're not talking about Jesus in some way, what are we actually talking about? Right. All if all theology is Christology, which I believe we said that in one of our <laughs> previous episodes and we actually believe that. Yep. We shouldn't ever be having a discussion about doctrine that isn't also about Jesus. Yeah. Because if you're having a discussion of doctrine that doesn't talk about Jesus, I'm not sure what we're actually discussing anymore.
1: Yeah and, and you know we just we just heard this reading yesterday but in John 8 Jesus says if you abide in my word you are truly my disciples. And we hear that in one way you're know, like oh yeah you got to stay in the word but think about what he's saying to the Jews who are listening to him talk. Hmm. They're abiding in a word. Right? Mm-hmm. See they they live in a word. It's the word of the Old Testament. And mm. Jesus is looking at them, saying, "If you really want to follow God, you have to abide in My Word." Mm. And they they freak out. That this is actually the point of John eight is they freak out. They're is like, that one of the moments where they pick up stones and say th- at uh, the end they do at the end? Yeah, yeah. They're like <laughs> okay, you die. Yep. Because the whole point is, is they're like, "Who do you think you are? We're children of Abraham. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? We don't need your help." And he's like. um one, you're not children of Abraham because Abraham ended in me. See, Abraham points ahead to me Mm -hmm. and they're like, wait a minute, who exactly do you think you are? And see, this is their question over and over. And he's saying, I'm the one whose word gives life. These words you're reading in the Old Testament, you're reading the correct words, but if you're not reading them about me, you don't get life from them. Mm -hmm. I'm the one who gives you life. So in chapter five, that's explicitly what he says, right? In chapter five, he says, these are the testify of me. He says, and you don't have life because you refuse to come to me. Right? You're reading the right text, but you're not reading about me. Therefore, it doesn't do any good. In chapter eight, he's saying, if you want to be children of Abraham, you have to be with me. I'm the son of the father. You are slaves. (laughs) And they're like, Wait, no, no, you don't understand our father. Our father is Abraham. Nobody trumps Abraham. And Jesus says,
0: Before I Before Abraham was?
1: I am. Yeah. And they say, wait a minute, are you claiming to be? You are claiming to be, and we will kill you.
0: And that's when they pick up stones.
1: Yes. Yeah. And, and see, the, the whole conversation is, is what we're getting at, is trust.
0: Mm-hmm. Trust
1: that Jesus is... God's definitive action for mankind to save us from our sins, to give us eternal life. That's who he is. Mm-hmm. Trust his word, trust his actions, trust his promises, trust his what are we talking about with the sacraments? Trust what he says about how he works. Mm-hmm. Jesus says, This is my body. Take it and eat it. We don't have the right to look at him and say, No, it's not. <laughs> See, <laughs> trust doesn't do that. Trust says, "Okay. Yeah. I will take it and I will eat it and I will believe that it is what you say it is, even if I can't figure it out." Yep.
0: Even right? if it makes no it makes no
1: sense. sense. And yeah. Jesus goes, "I said it's my body. I said it's my blood. I said it forgives sins." Mm-hmm. And we say, "I will trust what you said." he said that disciples are made through baptism and that's tied with teaching. And we say, okay, okay. we'll do that. Well, that's what we'll do. Yep. And, the, and the thing is, is that when we read the New Testament scriptures, it's really a record of the apostles saying, we're trusting that Christ is who he said he is. And now that we've understood that, this is what the scriptures have always been teaching us. Mm-hmm. This isn't new. Yeah. The entire recorded reality of God's revealed word is pointing to this guy, mm-hmm. this one that you crucified, but God raised from the dead. That's Peter's gospel, right? Read the book of Acts. Peter's gospel is really simple. You killed Jesus. God disagreed with you because <laughs> he rose, raised him from the dead, right? So if God raised him from the dead, then you might have messed up by killing him. Oops. And you might want to get on his team. Yep. so so we all know this, and then, then we'll move on. But what we all know this text from, from Acts chapter two, right? Pentecost happens, they're speaking in tongues and all this kind of stuff. And Peter preaches the first Christian sermon, right? And at the end and, and that's his gospel. that's his law and gospel move is, "You killed Jesus."." Mm-hmm. and And they're like, "Yeah." And he goes, "God raised him from the dead." And they're like, uh "Oh." So you're saying we're opposed to God.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And Peter's like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And they say, what What then then must must we we do do to to be? be?" Yeah, because we're opposed to God. And what does he say? He says, be baptized into the guy that you killed. (laughs) Right? Yeah. The solution is to be baptized in Christ Jesus. Hmm. Be baptized into him. And they're like, wait a minute, what we're supposed to be in the guy that we killed? He goes, yeah, because he's the one that God raised. And remember, Peter is always tying baptism to resurrection. To resurrection. Yeah. Read First Peter, right? First Peter yep. 1, First Peter 3. He's always doing this. He's always saying, look, the guy that God raised from the dead, you're baptized into him. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, what? And he goes, now, understand this. When you're baptized in Christ Jesus, you get the Holy Spirit, you get forgiveness of sins. This promise is for you
0: and for and your, your children. children
1: and all who are far off. Anyone whom the Lord our God will call to himself. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's like, oh, see, when God's the one doing the action, it's all pointing at Jesus. Yeah. Always saying, see, my son, that's the guy. And, and this is really what we're getting at is, is we learn to trust that.
0: Yeah.
1: We learn to trust that God is right. Right? And so when he raises Jesus from the dead, we say, that's the resurrection guy. I'm going to trust in him.
0: Which, so one of the one objection to, to kind of the way I laid out my own personal experience, people might hear me say that and think, oh, so are you saying the resurrection? It doesn't matter whether or not it happened. Here's the thing the resurrection, just, just think this through for a second. <laughs>
1: All the theories to debunk the resurrection prove the same thing. The tomb was empty that day.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, the, the, the Jesus didn't really die. He just kind of fell asleep and, and then woke up later and walked out of the tomb. Okay. And that's why the tomb was empty. So you're saying the tomb was empty? Yep. Well, the women, the women you know, they got confused and they found the wrong tomb. Um, does that make any sense? <laughs> if, if that actually happened, wouldn't they just say, hey, girls, he's over here in this tomb. So obviously what they're saying is the tomb that the women went to was... Empty. And they say, no, the disciples came in the, middle of the night and stole the body. They're like, okay, so the tomb was? Empty. No, the Roman guards were in cahoots, and they actually thought that this would, you know, whatever. And so what you're saying is the tomb was? Empty. All of the theories yeah. prove the tomb was empty. See, none of the objections are, he's not raised. He's right here, mm-hmm. dead. So, so historically speaking, the resurrection is easy to prove, right? Mm-hmm. no. No. All we've proved is the tomb was empty. And what happens is all the people who look at the evidence walk away with different theories of how it happened, including the women. In Gospel of John, they're like, "Um, the tomb's empty. And the only way to explain it is... Somebody came and stole him. Yeah. See, they don't say, oh, he's been raised from the dead. This is great. See, this is the point, is that historical data doesn't prove our faith. Right historical data might help us say well the tomb was empty that day but it's the holy spirit and only the holy spirit that drives you to believe that the tomb was empty because god raised him from the dead
0: and and this is what as lutherans at least if you've if you've been raised lutheran or if you've become lutheran this is actually one of the primary things that we confess and especially in the third article of the creed as kevin as you say one of the best things ever Written, ever. <laughs> ever ever <laughs> where we say i believe that i cannot by my own reason or strength believe in jesus christ my lord or come to him but the holy spirit has called me by the gospel enlightened me with his gifts sanctified and kept me in the true faith in the same way he calls gathers enlightens and sanctifies the whole christian church on earth and keeps it with jesus in the one true faith in this christian church He daily and richly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. On the last day, he will raise me and all the dead and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. This is most certainly true. Kevin, I didn't hear anything that I can do in that paragraph.
1: One of the best things about Lutheran theology is I believe that I can't believe. Which is just weird. Even my faith is not something that I'm responsible for. Yeah, I trust that... God himself will give me the ability to trust in him. I can't do this. Yeah. I can't. And and one of the wonderful things about Christ is that when he said it is finished, he meant it. He didn't say, it's mostly done. Peter, I could use a little help here. <laughs> and And when he sent the spirit, you know, he says, "I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. He's going to bring you into all truth. He's going to teach you what I commanded you. He's going to do all this stuff." And he gives us a spirit in baptism, in the Word, in the Lord's Supper, and and what Luther does in that writing, which I do think is the best writing after the New Testament. I think the creeds and that part of Luther's explanation might be the height of Christian human theology. Writing. It's just yeah. so well thought out and written, and well, and it's not really thought. It's it is. I actually do think it's. This is Luther really kind of condensing the entire Christian faith into this hmm. little explanation um, when he looks at the role of the Holy Spirit. And um, it's, it's such a comfort then to even say, you know what, I'm going to give up my role in believing. I'm just going to say, God, you do it. Your spirit, I'm trusting. Mm-hmm. I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit is the content, is the power. That's all of my faith. It's the Holy Spirit. And every time the Holy Spirit works, he points to Christ. And the Father sends the Son, and the Father and the Son send the Spirit, and the Trinity is all about you in Christ, which means your sins are forgiven. Death has been conquered and you have life. Mm-hmm. And, and Peter, I'm looking at you literally right now, and we're both fathers,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and there's nothing I want more than for my children to trust that, mm. right? Yep. And everyone we love to trust that. And that's that's really what we're getting at with, with Crucial Conversations, with Crucial Productions is we, we just, it's that simple.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, I had this conversation with a friend a couple of weeks ago, where we're going through the whole resurrection event, and it, it came up because he was, you know, sitting at a in a restaurant, hearing an atheist kind of ranting about how God couldn't exist and all this, and he was running through his head, what are the arguments? What are the points I can bring up that would help convince this guy that Christianity is actually right and mm-hmm. that it's true? And the only one he ended up landing on was the resurrection event or the, or the crucifixion at least. Mm-hmm. And, and I pointed out to him, I was like, but even in that, there are so many other variables or versions that he'll throw out or he'll just reject the historical accounts entirely. Even in that, you can't actually convince him. And it brings us, I'll say, I'll say it this way, this is scary. This is, this is where that fear comes in again mm-hmm. because it brings us to the end of ourselves, and we say, well, then, how is it that I actually believe? Because everything that I would come up with involves me in some way, and yet I sit here looking at you, Kevin, and I actually believe that Jesus did die for my sins, that I am forgiven, that this matters, and I actually want to tell other people about this, how did that happen? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't give you like a logical, well-reasoned, no. even no. an emotional, you know, thing. We we could even talk about the whole, you know, decision, making a decision and having the wonderful life event around that that we haven't even gone into. But right. I, at the end, the scary part is I sit here, I'm like, I don't, well, not scary anymore, but it, it was scary. It's like, I I don't have an answer. Yeah. Which... Like I say, it's not scary anymore because when you realize the actual answer is, well, God did it. Yeah. The Holy Spirit gave that to me, and gives, and not continues just to give. Yeah. And because think- it's not on me to have gotten it in the first place, it's also not on me to keep it.
1: Right. And and I we're we're <laughs> getting and that's the end where of our the time, trust.
0: Yeah. And the this fear is- goes away, and the trust lives. I'll never Thrives. forget this.
1: I'll never forget this event um, i I was blessed to visit somebody on their deathbed. Um, I've had that opportunity several times and this this one guy was a pillar of our church. he was a he was a head elder for most of his life, you know as long as he could be. Um, honestly, he was the first guy I met at this church and offered to take us out to lunch right away. And he was just just the, the prince of a guy. um everyone in church looked at him and just thought he was the perfect father and perfect man of faith, Bible study, whole nine yards. And on his deathbed, he looked at me and he said, I'm afraid I don't believe. Hmm. And I looked at him and I said, I don't care if you believe. God loves you and he will never leave you. Hmm. Christ is yours. It's not because you believe it. It's because Christ has done it for you. He has given you your faith. When you had it strongly, it's because he gave it to you. When you didn't feel it, he was still giving it to you. That's the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. That's what you received in baptism. That's what you received in the Lord's Supper. That's what you heard in his word. I understand right now you're scared, you're doubting, you're thinking all kinds of crazy things. You're even doubting whether or not you have enough faith to go to heaven. But you know what? Jesus isn't doubting. Hmm. Jesus isn't scared Jesus isn't worried I said you know what why don't we just let Jesus take care of resurrection kind of stuff hmm. and he was like you know that'll work <laughs> I'll let Jesus take care of resurrection and I'm like yeah
0: and that's what drives out fear right Yeah,
1: because Jesus is the one that can
0: do it Yep, I trust that amen we'll see you guys next week thanks